Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with BJ Moore, CIO and Executive VP of Real Estate Strategy Operations at Providence. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Moore talks about how his team is systematically marching toward the goal of becoming carbon negative by 2030, why he believes that getting on a single EHR instance shouldn't be viewed as the end game, his concerns when it comes to ChatGPT and the hype surrounding it, and what he wishes he would have known before making the move to healthcare. Thanks so much for taking time. I'm glad I actually got to meet you at uh, Vibe. Yeah, it was great to see you in person, yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at the last time I talked to you. It was fall of 21. So it okay. doesn't, doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but things change so fast. So yeah, just wanted to kind of catch up on what you've been up to. And, and one of the things I definitely wanted to talk about was the goal to become a carbon negative and kind of where you guys are with that. Sure, happy to talk about that. Give, um, you know, some information about kind of where you are at this point with the goal. Yeah, we're systematically marching towards it. Carbon negative by 2030. It's something that we've mapped out because it's a multi-year investment. Unfortunately, COVID put some pause to some of the efforts, right? Because some of these things are pretty capital intensive. So during COVID, we did kind of the non-capital intensive things to reduce our costs. So if you objectively look at the glide path towards negative, we're actually doing well. Uh, it's good. So the next batch will be, be tougher to come by. And we're working with um, our executive leadership team and, and financing to do that. The other thing we've added that's maybe unique to us is the top 15 or 20 execs. Our bonuses are based on two goals. One of our bonuses is based on two goals, and one of those goals is that carbon negative by 2030. So we not only thought of it as this big, bold goal as a health system, but has we as executive leadership really be compensated based upon our achievement towards towards that goal. So, so objectively, to answer it quickly, objectively, if you look at the glide path, we're on track. Behind the scenes, we kind of did some of the easy stuff, and so the more capital-intensive stuff we're going to have to do to keep on that glide path towards our, our 2030 goal. So what were some of the uh, the easier things that you already got done? Easier things is just more efficiently using our existing resources. You know, simple things like, mm-hmm. you know, PCs and printers and powering them down and putting them in sleep, smart devices to manage the lights, you know, when lights are on, things like thermostats, not cooling things as much, not heating things as much. Yeah. As part of the normal maintenance, break fix, you know, as we replace boilers or as we replace, you know, AC equipment, we just replace it with higher efficiency items. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's kind of how do we bake this into the natural rhythm and, and make sure that we're doing things that achieve those goals. You know, the harder things we're, we're needing to do are the more capital intensive things. So it's all the LED lighting that we're going to need to do in all of our hospitals, right? We have 52 hospitals, a thousand clinics. That's a lot of light bulbs yeah. and it becomes a big number. And just the logistics of even if you fund the light bulbs, the logistics of going in and replacing everything, you know, to LED is, is capital intensive. You know, we did some of the easy stuff, boilers and AC, but as we look at some of these bigger capital projects, right, there are 10, 20, 30, $40 million projects to replace some of these more expensive infrastructure. So that that's going to be tougher. Yeah. And then some of it was selling off assets, right? COVID allowed us to um, get rid of a bunch of administrative space. And so we were able to achieve a bunch of efficiency by just getting rid of space. Yeah. You know, so those are examples of kind of easy button things. I mean, they weren't easy, right? They all required thought and strategy and very mindful.
painful, but yeah. you know, it's easier to sell a building off and, and take that carbon footprint away than just to take a hospital that was built in 1890 and, you know, make it efficient. Right, right. Okay. And I know that we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but that's where it seems to um, really make sense that you have real estate under your title. Exactly. Yeah. Just all, all the logistics that go into even something like that. Yeah, and I think when we originally talked, right, you know, pre-COVID, we talked about a, a hospital bed, bed being a physical asset, right? Yeah. And, and a new hospital bed could take five to ten years to add, and now wearing my, you know, IT hat, it becomes now this virtual thing, virtual care, care delivery at home, so we can naturally do things that help us as a, a access to healthcare for our patients, but tangentially helps us on this carbon goal because hospital beds are carbon expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said on the easy button, it's kind of easy to talk amongst my own team. How do we sleep PCs better? How do we, you know, have more power, you know, conservation as we replace PCs, right? How do we replace them with PCs that are more conservative? And so wearing both hats has been helpful. Yeah. I mean, these are kind of silly examples, but they're easy to articulate. Yeah. Even the little things all add up, especially when you have such a large organization. And the inverse is to the thought of the decades and decades we've wasted energy, you know, because we didn't do these disciplined things, right? There's no advantage to having inefficient lighting or having your PC on all day or, you know, having printers on all day or having lights on in unoccupied rooms. Like, there's never like, oh, this is going to be a hard trade-off. It's like, there was never any benefit of the inefficiencies we had. So it, it helps us achieve our goal, but frankly, it's just the right thing to do from a pure business perspective. Yeah, and... Most of those things haven't, they haven't had like a big workflow impact so far, right? Exactly. Yeah. The change management's relatively low, correct? Okay. But take the sleeping of a PC, right? If you're in a clinical setting, mm-hmm. right? We did have some learning there. We were oversleeping, you know, PCs like, no, like I just have to wait for five minutes. Yeah. You know, I'm coming back. I need to complete my task. So maybe that's more shift space. You know, at eight o'clock, we can be aggressive there. Whereas in the shared services space. So we, we had some learnings. Yeah. You know, sure. some areas where maybe we're overly aggressive and we had to pull back. But in general, yeah, the change management was, was relatively simple. Yeah, but that's a good point. I mean, anytime you have, uh, you know, clinicians using software, there's going to be some differences and there's things you yeah. have to consider, yeah. of course. And now that I know that, you know, it's embarrassing to talk about it, but at the time, <laughs> right, it was the best intentions. Hey, nobody needs an idle PC for this period of time. Let's go ahead and put these in sleep mode. Well, right. <laughs> there's medical reasons why they were that way. And that's not a good idea to put them in sleep mode. Okay. So looking at cloud, where are you at this point? Where are you on that journey? Yeah, so four years ago when I joined, you know, we were probably 2% on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're 70 to 75% complete on that journey. Okay. Um, and the reason it's not closer to 100 so things like um, data, like we're probably 98% complete on that journey. Yeah. Things like Epic, we're not there yet. We have the single largest Epic instance in the world. And so our demands for Epic on the cloud is greater than any pretty much anybody else yeah. and so that's further behind but it, it's not because we're not adopting the cloud it's just the capabilities aren't, aren't there yet but you know we've got a good partnership with microsoft and epic on that and we're in the progress of migrating our epic environments to the cloud and really once we complete that we'll basically be at 95 percent in the cloud 
will probably never be 100%. There's things that need to, to remain locally or there's legacy applications we just can't move to the cloud or there's, you know, fault tolerance or other reasons we need to keep it in a hospital or a clinic. But to summarize it, we're pretty much complete with our journey to the cloud except for that kind of massive epic infrastructure that we're in process of moving that to the cloud. Yeah, and that's uh don't know if I knew that you were that biggest instance. So, uh, that comes with yeah. <laughs> comes with challenges, of yeah, course. Yeah, biggest single instance, yeah. right? There's other health systems that are larger than us, but yeah. they're segmented across multiple EHRs okay. versus we've got a single EHR code base for all all 52 hospitals and so we're kind of unique now. Yeah, and how have you just approached that just tackling something like that large of a scale? Yeah, so it was a 10-year journey. We completed that journey March of last year. And so mm-hmm. we were on multiple versions of Epic. We were on Meditech. We were on all scripts. We were kind of all over the board. So really it was how do we get everybody onto that kind of single code base, single instance that completed March of last year. I don't want to diminish what the team did because it was a 10-year journey. But the unfortunate is that was really step one of 10. Now what it allows us to do is more on the process front of things is now to act as a single health system now optimize. Mm-hmm. So none of, most of my caregivers didn't high five me once we got on the single instance of Epic. It was like, okay, I moved from Epic A to Epic B. Yeah. My life hasn't gotten better. Now it's really optimizing that. Now that we are on a single code base, we can optimize the experience for our caregivers. We can optimize the experience for our patients and we can do it once mm-hmm. and then apply it and then everybody benefits from it. So that's the heavy lifting we're doing now. Yeah. Epic from a pure scale perspective can scale to meet our needs. So we're not we're not focusing a lot of energy on how do we get the infrastructure to scale to meet our needs. Epic has been a good partner there. It's more before it was both a blessing and a curse having multiple EHRs. The the curse was we had multiple EHRs. The blessing is each hospital could kind of do their own thing. And now it's more the government's, hey, we don't want every hospital to do their own thing. We're going to do things in a very systematic health system way. And so that's become more of a business problem than a tech problem. How do you get everybody to act as a single health system? Because everybody thinks they have the best practice. Yeah. That's like a case study in change management. Raises their hand <laughs> and says, hey, Hospital 26 does it much better than us. We want to adopt that. Like, right, right. Yeah, that's, uh, I was going to say that that's like a case study in change management. <laughs> it is, it is. But, and, and I'm sure this is where your questions are going. This is where I feel we're just uniquely set up. When I joined four years ago, we had multiple EHRs, we had multiple ERPs, we had multiple networks, domains, yeah. things like we had Teams and Skype and WebEx, like we had everything of everything. And over the last four years, we now consolidate. So we're on a single ERP system with Oracle Cloud. We're on a single EHR with Epic. We're on a single modern network infrastructure with, with uh, Cisco. Mm-hmm. You know, we're on Office and Teams and Standardized. So as we have this next wave of innovation like um, you know, artificial intelligence, chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Now we can apply that technology to one set of systems. It's not, hey, we've got 10 ERP systems. How do we do it 10 different ways? No, we're now on Oracle Cloud. How do we implement ChatGPT to, to benefit our shared services employees that benefit everybody? Or same thing, you know, partnership with Epic and, and Microsoft and ChatGPT. We can apply it to our single instance and get the benefits versus, okay, now how do we do it for Meditech? Oh, crap, Meditech can't yeah. do it. Now how do we do it for all scripts? Oh, they can't do it. So I feel it's been a tough four years to get to single platforms and processes. Yeah. But as we have this next wave of innovation with generative AI and, and these large language models, 
I think we're set up unique at Providence compared to other health systems. Yeah, like you said, you, you've done the, the legwork of getting to that point. And for the most part, was it accepted fairly well? That was like, this is our plan. We're going to be standardized. So that's a loaded question, I know. At an executive board level, absolutely. You know, unfortunately, we implemented a lot of this change during COVID. Mm-hmm. So for our caregivers, it probably felt overwhelming, the amount of change. Yeah. But everybody was actually, you know, I, you know, as at Microsoft for 27 years, my perception was a tech company like Microsoft was adept at change mm-hmm. and healthcare systems would be really resistant to change. My experience at Providence is we were actually more open to change at Providence than we were at Microsoft. So as much of the heavy lifting we did over the last four years, yeah, yeah, was there you know a lot of pain and suffering? Yes, but compared to Microsoft, it was actually much less than I expected. Hmm. And now it's over, right? Now yeah. it's you know now it's behind us. Now it's in the rearview mirror. Now it's like, hey, we don't have another ERP coming. We're done. We're there. Now we're going to optimize it. Hey, don't worry. We're not going to switch Epic on you again. We're there. Yeah. Now we're going to optimize it for you. So that's a much easier message. And luckily, most organizations don't have a long memory. So they'll, they'll forget a year ago when you put them through hell. And they'll just remember today where life is, is pretty stable and pretty good. <laughs> no, you're right. I'll have people say like, yeah, COVID wasn't that bad, was it? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was actually mask all the time yeah yeah oh my god i have to wear a mask ever again oh yeah oh i know it's true yeah yeah you're right yeah covid's a good example maybe it's a defense so that you know (laughs) it's a defense mechanism but i think it's human beings right yeah sure women would never have a second baby if they remembered how bad it was to have the first one right so i think we're we're wired as human beings to oh it wasn't that bad maybe i'll have another child right right So um, you mentioned GPT, large language models. So yeah, can you talk a bit about what you guys are doing and what you you know hope to be doing in that space? Yeah, we're looking at a couple meta points in all the healthcare. We don't have enough nurses or doctors, and the amount of time it's going to take to to get new nurses and doctors is just too long. You know, those same nurses and doctors spend forty or fifty percent of their time doing administrative work. So what can we do to improve their productivity, frankly, get rid of the stuff that they don't enjoy? Yeah. And so that's what we're looking at, chat GPT, these things to do. And we'll focus in non-clinical settings first, maybe for caregivers, nurses, and docs, but non-clinical experiences just because of HIPAA and the regulatory environment. It's kind of uncharted territory. So, you know, a simple example is inbox management. Mm-hmm. Right. People are sending a lot of messages to their doctors. Management of the inbox is tough for doctors. How do we use this to triage those messages for our doctors? How do we put the most important messages up top? And then how do we help them maybe craft responses to improve their productivity? So we're looking at kind of those non-patient examples, you know, shared services, HR, finance, help desk, IT. There's a lot of things where we can use this technology where what works doesn't work, experiment and avoid a lot of the regulatory pieces. And then as we build that muscle or strength, we can start putting in more complex environments or more environments where maybe we start to run into clinical uh, regulatory things, but we're definitely not starting there, right? There's mm. already enough to learn on large language models and then add regulation on top of it. It's just too complex. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But things like help desk, there's definitely a lot of potential there. 
And proactive stuff, right? You mm-hmm. know, we look at our own logs. How many people call in with printer issues? Well, the printer issues are a driver issue, right? ChatGPT kind of intelligence could do that. And as I remind my team, you know, the best help desk experience is the one that never happens. And so, yeah, you could use ChatGPT. I call in. I'm having printer problems. I could evaluate my printer and say, hey, you need a new driver. I push it down and, and a human being never gets involved. That's great. Or frankly, we could use that technology to really scan our environments. Okay, who else has a driver that's out of date and proactively update that driver? So the next person never has a printer issue because ChatGPT already took care of their printer issue. They didn't know they had a printer issue yet, and we can proactively take care of it. So yeah, those are really good examples where you can improve an experience, but more importantly, prevent the issue from even happening, right? It's self-learning. Oh, yeah, sure. And I mean, we've seen it before where uh, something's just really trending on such a high level. But and this is, you know, all of a sudden it it was everywhere. And you you don't try to figure out the right approach, but I'm sure you get a lot of questions right away about, hey, you know, are we doing this? What's what's up with ChatGPT? It is by far the the hottest topic. And um, I thought it was hot. And then I went to Hymns and um, it was like. 110% 110% of the conversation. Like, I already thought we were talking about it too much. And then when I heard my peers talking about it, I'm like, well, maybe we're not talking about it enough. Yeah, right. It seems to be eclipsing the sun right now. The counterbalance that, though, was, so I brought that example up, my own team. I'm like, if you would have asked me December 31st of last year how I felt about where Providence was, I'd be like, hey, we're world class. We're ahead of everybody else. We're on, a, you know, modern everything, single instance of everything. Like, we really have our stuff together. And then if you asked me a month ago, how do we compare? I'm like, we need to do more on this generative AI, chat GPT front. Because I used the example, hey, I went to hymns, everybody's talking about it. And the innocent person asked, well, that's awesome. Can you give me great examples of how other health systems are using chat GPT and we can, you know, replicate it? And I'm like, <laughs> actually, there aren't good examples. We're all right. talking about it, but I really can't give you a good example. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're not that far behind, you know, maybe we're yeah. further behind and we're not talking about it as much. Right. But I'm sure you do it as you interview. Like, there's a lot of talk, but there aren't the really iconic examples that you can point to. Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think anybody wants to start on the patient side, but that's where the demand is. And it's that retail experience people are always (laughs) clamoring for. That's what's tough for me, because, you know, what happens is I go to a doctor. We don't want to introduce ChatGPT there because ChatGPT is going to make some clinical recommendations or decisions. We're not ready to do that. Yeah. So instead, I come back home and I go to Google and with no context of my own medical history, I Google things and then I'm going to start making decisions based upon that. So it's actually a much worse case scenario yeah. than if we took the ChatGPT in the context of my own health record and made recommendations. Like, I'm going to search a search engine anyway. Why yeah. Not? I'd love to find a way we could use a powered ChatGPT with my own health record, but do it in a way that's giant quotes or asterisks, like treat this no better than you would Google, but know that the Google results, you know, will be better because it's in the context of me as a human being, not what does it mean to have low (laughs) vitamin D and Google gives you a generic answer versus asking chat GPT in the context of me. Hey, BJ, your score was this. This is what it means. This is what your score used to be. This is what you need to do. Remember your doctor prescribed this, you know, vitamin, Mm -hmm. you know, It'd just be much more helpful, but I'll speak for myself. I'm personally afraid of looking at the clinical settings just because regulatory hoops. Yeah. Yeah. And there's still so much to come with that. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
And we have so much opportunity in church services and administrative work. Like we could spend the next two years innovating that with ChatGPT like capabilities that our plates are already full. Yeah, and and you briefly touched on on staffing and the difficulties that pretty much everyone is having. And it seems like that is kind of not the quick win, but maybe that's the win that can go first. And then it's a virtuous cycle, right? Then you have less burnout, and so then you have a greater retention. You know, and if we can differentiate ourselves from other hospitals, now you're a nurse, you've got choices. Do you join Providence, who's got these advanced technologies that make your life easier, or do you stick with your existing employer who's not embracing these? So I think it helps us on multiple fronts. Yeah. And when you are at a show like Hymns, and you have something like ChatGPT, which is everywhere, does it get a little interesting when, you know, I know you've talked about vendor management and and everything that goes into that. But I just wonder what the approach is there when, you know, you almost want to be like, all right, slow down or let's really talk about it. But it seems like everybody, one, the vendors yeah. do, they want to talk about the hot new technology, but you have to approach that carefully. I, do, and I have a couple quick questions from, you know, are you trying to build your own language models? Mm-hmm. Or are you just leveraging what Amazon or Microsoft or Google have already done? It's kind of an IQ test, right? Yeah. If you're a small partner with 30 employees and their answer is, oh yeah, we're, we're developing our own language models. It's like, okay, you just don't have the scale or the capabilities to do that, right? That's not the, the right answer. So I do have simple ways to kind of weed people out, but yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. And then what's really real, like it's just a hot buzz term, you know, how many people are just abusing the term. When we talked last, my pet peeve was everybody's calling machine learning artificial intelligence and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. So I think people are just doing the same thing. Oh, we're using large language models. Well, it may not be, it may just be still machine learning. Yeah. We're closer to reality than we were last time we chatted, for sure. Right, right. Okay. I think the this last thing I wanted to ask was that, so it's been about five years since you left Microsoft. Four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Four years. Yeah. So we're seeing more people now kind of come into healthcare from other industries. So do you have any advice based on your experience? Maybe what you wish you would have known or <laughs> just any advice for kind of getting into healthcare? Yeah, a couple pieces of advice. You know, one thing I heard early on was everything was, you know, you don't understand this is healthcare. So the quick piece of advice would be, you know, 20% of what we do in healthcare is unique to healthcare and really quickly learn what are those unique 20%. But frankly, the other 80% is standard to any Fortune 100 company. So how do you identify that quickly and, and figure that out? So that'd be one. Two, you know, don't make the mistake I did, which is, I assume healthcare was behind on technology because they were tech resistant. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case at all. That that took a while. It was um, healthcare wasn't getting the right technological leadership. But given the right leadership, they're actually quick to adopt, quick to a change. Early on, I probably moved slower than I would have because I assumed they would be resistant. And that was a bad assumption. So that, that would be something. Mm-hmm. And then a new piece of advice that I would give everybody is... If healthcare is 20 years behind other other industries, I would say don't spend time trying to catch up on those 20 years. So I'll take consumerization of, of IT, right? The Ubers, the Expedias, the Amazons of the world, right? Everybody knows healthcare is behind on that. Yeah. It'd be great if we caught up there, but I would take your creative energy and instead focus it on this new wave of, of large language models and mm-hmm. innovate there. The analogy I use is a a country like India didn't have good landline infrastructure. So when cellular came, they didn't think, okay, how do we do cellular and landline? They just basically said, hey, 
we missed the landline revolution. We're never going to have fax machines. We're never going to have landlines. Let's go to cell technology. And and a country like India ended up with better cell infrastructure than a lot of countries. I think the same thing in healthcare. If you focus all your energy to catch up the last 20 years, you may miss this new wave of generative AI where you could maybe leapfrog other industries because this is the cellular equivalent and the last 20 years of SINs is the you know, landline equivalent. So focus on cellular, not landline. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It seems like it seems like a smart approach because you're going to drive yourself crazy to try to catch up on yeah. all 20 years. All of our budgets are shrinking. We're in a tough economic time. We're 20 years behind to yeah. encumber yourself to catch up on all that and innovate on, on large language models. Like you, you're basically yeah. tying your hands. So focus on maybe this new wave of technology cool. would be my best. Good. It's good stuff. All right. I think we're about out. Um, so. All right. Always good connecting. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.